I'm Ryan. And I'm Steve, and you are 60 Cycle Hub, the guitar bike. So fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. You are that thing? You are this podcast? Wait, I thought we are. You are, you are. The youth of the nation? Something like I that. I guess. <laughs> We're already off the rails. We're only recording one episode tonight. Oh, man. Already a disaster. This is uh, being recorded before our April man, Fools don't make the, don't make the sausage episode that we don't know how that turned out yet. Yeah, so probably, I hope it was good. It's probably horrible. It's super super good. Probably the worst. It was so good. <laughs> Everyone is talking about how good it is. What's new, Steve? What's new in your gear life? You have a new anything new in your gear life? No. Well, that's been the show. Bye, everybody. See ya. <laughs> uh, no, I wanted to talk about. Um, I watched the Dirt last night, the Motley Crue. Oh yeah, yeah. Thing. Um, I don't get it. You don't get it. You know what? Didn't you get? Was it? Uh, was it the gratuitous nudity? Or I, I think I granted. Uh, so I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, but yeah, I feel I like. Before going in to see that movie, like the whole point of the movie is that you want you're going to end up rooting for Freddie Mercury. Sure. And I haven't seen Rocket Man because it's not out yet. Mm-hmm. But I assume that when you watch that movie, it's you know at some point you're going to feel like you're rooting for Elton John. Well, maybe not even rooting for them because I'm sure that there's like oh here's this dark part of their life or whatever. I haven't seen either of those movies either. But I feel like I know what you're getting at. Where with the dirt, it didn't feel like you really got to know these people at all. It was just like, look at this collection of like rowdy hedonistic things that they did. Yeah. So I I get you know it's it's actually funny, and this is going to sound sacrilegious. Uh oh. A little not sacrilegious, but I sacrilegious to like movie people. Okay. Um, is um, the dirt was like a poorly executed version of Train Spotting. Yeah, sure. Well, I I think the the thing that was really missing from the dirt is like any kind of indication that anybody learned anything. Right. There is no. It's a protagonistless film. Right. It's a movie where at the end of it, like, and I, I don't, you know, I think part of what, excuse me, part of what. So I so I I was reading some different comments and some different forums where they're talking about it and whether or not it's a movie. Worth watching, and of course, these were in. Uh, well, I some, want to ask whether or some, not it's a movie. <laughs> Is it a movie? Th- th- these were in some. These were in some like uh, some church-based groups. I'm in. Okay. Uh, not specific churches, but just people who go to church. Yeah, like you know. And they're talking about the movie, and you know whether or not it's worth watching. It's because, well, that's what the '80s were like. And I've read some articles that said, yeah, that that is that. If there's anything going on in that movie, like in terms of the behavior of like the biggest rock stars sure of the 80s like that movie is accurate i i think it definitely shows what kinds of things were happening yeah like the embellishment i've read some articles that have basically said the embellishment is minimal right no i didn't i didn't watch any of it and go like oh there's no way that ozzy osbourne licked piss off of the the floor and like i think the snorting ants thing i've read before yeah that's like a big thing um but i think you know 
And we all know that, you know, rock stars of the 70s and 80s were throwing TVs out windows. Yeah. Like, that was yeah. a thing everyone was doing. Like, everyone wanted to get in on that action. Uh, we all know that they were all just having tons and tons of sex with whoever was around. Like, right. none of this is, is surprising. We all know that they were, you know, taking drugs and drinking and, and you know, getting in medical trouble because they were doing it all. You Th- know? This is going to be a, a very awkward comparison like none of it none of it felt like a surprise I, right none of it's a surprise so I, I i think like if this was like if i was to compare this to another historical era i feel like this film or this story the equivalent of it uh, at least the way the story is portrayed on film is like if you made a movie about a slave owner who at the end of the movie he gives up he stops owning slaves, not because he decides that owning slaves is bad, but because his slaves all revolt and almost kill him multiple times. And at the Why? end of the movie, he still really wants to own slaves, but realizes that the the end result of him owning slaves is that they will eventually kill him. I think him. the slavery comparison is it's a, a little heavy. A little heavy handed. It's a lot heavy. I get what you're saying. We're like, it didn't ever feel like uh like the narrator's like the people involved, was it multiple people narrating it? Yeah, I yeah, because it kept changing. From the book person to person. that is based on. The, the, so, uh, but so like the book, it never, it never be- felt like the pe- like the 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 first person perspectives or whatever were like. Man, I really learned something about myself, or I learned something about life. Like I would have been more satisfied if, at the end, they had been like, "And that's why hedonism is so great. We had a blast." Yeah. Like, like if you get the chance, <laughs> if you get the chance, do it. Like they didn't even have that I, kind of like the- introspective, like, 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 like. Uh, I, I can't find the word. Like they didn't have that kind of resolve to it. It just felt like this is what happened and we're cool with it and whatever. Yeah. You know? I, th- I thought the only semi redeemable character in the entire thing was Mick Mars. Mick, that was my favorite. My favorite character was Mick Mars because the entire time he's just like, Oh, a bunch of freaking kids, man. Like just give me my money and record this record so I can make some money and get this back surgery. Right. Like, Oh, you guys are the worst. Like the entire time, he's just like, "You guys are the worst." What happened to my Google Drive? I don't know, man. You broke it. The app crashed. And like, um, it's all now I will bad. say, I, I also came into this movie with a bias because in the trailer, there's a Boss MD2 and Mick Mars is playing a freaking Epiphone Les Paul, neither of which existed in like 1982 or whatever. Right. Um, and so there was that, and then even um, I think in the scene where. Uh, Nikki Six has a guitar, like really early on, and his parents are like, "Where'd you get this? All where'd you get this guitar? Did you steal it or whatever?" I'm pretty sure that was a Squire Bullet, right? Uh, Stratocaster. Um, the rest of the gear in the movie, I didn't try too hard to identify. Those I mean, were- wh- whoever was in charge of wrestling all the gear together, like, wasn't really aware of what they were looking for and yeah. wasn't trying to be accurate. And like, honestly, like. Who cares? That's not what that movie was about. That's what it was about to me, Ryan. <laughs> like a very small percentage of the population is like, oh my gosh, that guitar is not period per- correct in this movie. That's really more about like people getting blowjobs in public restaurants, right? right. You know? and, and so, I, and along those lines. So going back to what I was saying before, I'm in these groups where they're debating whether or not this is a movie to be seen. Um. Because, of, again, these are, like, religious people who some, you know, some religious people, d- like, believe, like, 
that type of film you should just actively avoid. Um, but I do think that because it was such like a devoid of point movie, like that, I don't know, like, cause there are people who are saying they're like, well, like no one's going to watch this movie and be like, that looks like fun. But I, if the point of the movie isn't to watch it and be like, well, those guys sure are having a lot of fun. Then what was the point? Yeah. I feel it's just, I mean, I no, guess I feel you, it's so neutral that I feel like someone could watch it and be like, yeah, partying is great. I want to party like that. Like, cause there is no message. There yeah. is no like conclusion. Like and, and there's get, no editorialization of like, this is what this experience did to us. And this is how it makes us feel now. Yeah. And, like, and, my, my favorite part of the movie and the part that had like the most depth to it, like it only lasted like a couple seconds. Like what, their first show. I thought no, their first show was no, no, fun. No, no, the, the, uh, I'll come back to that in a second, but there's the whole sequence where, uh, their record manager contact guy, like one of them sleeps with his girlfriend or his fiance or whatever. And there's this break of the, of the fourth wall where he looks at the camera and he's like, I found out about that years later and it really, really hurt. Like that was the only part of the movie is like, okay, this is like, even, even the way it was handled, like when the guy died in a car accident, it was kind right. of like, oh, he's just bummed out now because someone died. It's never like, it never feels like the way, like, he kind of manslaughtered someone. Like, yeah. he kind of killed someone. Well, and someone. those are like, and those are... Dr- like, someone died because of his mistakes. Like, yeah. it didn't feel like, wow, that's a real consequence. And it's... it's I'm well, not I mean, say, later, I'm not saying, later like, in the movie, he is kind of... But later in the movie, he's like, oh, are you guys just all pissed at me because I killed Razzle? Because, like, that was an accident. But there is there is also like that was a thing that's been discussed that like this is like a 200, 300 page book or whatever that's condensed down to like under two hours of film. Yeah. And so in in part, like, but I think so like there's just things where like they didn't spend any time developing any kind of emotional death because they were trying to get from point A to point B as fast as possible. But I think a more skillful filmmaker, film crew, whoever was responsible could have communicated all right. those points of the stories with more like depth and feeling of consequence and more, uh, uh, I guess like, I feel like it, like, like I said, like, I feel yeah. like it has consequence for the person viewing so that you feel these things as they happen. Right. You feel well, one what of it means. the, one of the things I read was that I don't want to say that, uh, the book goes a lot more in depth to those kinds of things. Sure. Sure. Um, and, and the film that I don't know that the band members had final cut, but they at least right. had some creative decisions and that it to people who have read the book and seen the film, like it seems pretty obvious that the band heavily influenced the decisions to like, not make themselves look like complete and like completely horrible people sure, sure. just like that. They are more of a product of like, Oh yeah, we were like punk rock and whatever. And we did some drugs and it was fun. So we kept doing them and you know, uh, I guess it worked out all right. Cause we're all millionaires now. Woo! Right. Right. I think that the, a good comparison of how the movie could have gone and have all the exact same content, but then have a different like emotional reaction, different feeling for the audience is like if they made it like Dogtown and Z boys, right? It's like, you're getting, you're getting this, uh, progression through, you know, success and hedonism and, you know, the spoils of war with, uh, you know, rising up in the scene and then just 
how it feels in the movie when everything starts crumbling down and, you know, life isn't perfect, even though you've found success yeah. like that. I think that's the story people wanted in this. And I'm sure it exists in the book. And I'm sh- and I'm not saying at all that, like, you know, the the real life musicians here don't feel regret or don't didn't learn right. lessons or don't have opinions about their past. It just it didn't come across in this movie so the thing that i thought was amusing too um there there's a lot of like um kind of like second second or third tier talent in it obviously like the record executive guy you're talking about was played by pete davidson um the guy who like one of the oh um tommy lee's dad is played by the guy who is the dad uh the dad on stranger things okay he's like one of the parents on stranger things like these different yeah, actors yeah. that have shown up in different things and all the young guys are were kind of like young up and coming one of the guys is, is in game of thrones you know different things um but the guy who played their second lead singer who unfortunately doesn't sing is a youtuber who has a channel called 10 second songs okay and he's super good oh really he does they all, didn't let him sing he the does movie. all these impressions he probably could have done like he probably actually in real life like somewhere on his youtube channel does like a dead on vince neal impression mm-hmm. because that's his whole thing is he'll do um like a pop song and he'll do it in like um like 20 different styles right so each style gets 10 seconds so that's you know that that's cool. 200 seconds that's like three minutes and some change and so he'll go through and he'll do you know all these different either musical styles or like singing styles or whatever i was be- i was kind of bummed that like we don't I don't think you ever hear him sure he's no, just you there yeah. he's just there and you're like oh hair and i was like oh that guy <laughs> what's new with you ryan well i was gonna go i was gonna oh, go back okay. to their first gig oh yeah that part of it and the part that cracked me up with that scene is like they're trying to play it up like oh man there's barely anyone at this gig and like oh this is a bummer first gig oh yeah oh, motley Cruz first gig there's no one there no one knows who they are that gig was like packed by my <laughs> By my standards, right? There was like I couldn't count how many people there were in there because there was maybe like eighteen or nineteen, and that's a bunch. Yeah, that's yeah. plenty of people. <laughs> and then they like there was enough energy in the room for people to want to fight each other. Like yeah. that's a successful gig. Like most most gigs for starting bands is like nobody cares. Well, like the, you, the other funny thing, you can get them to fight you if you wanted to. The other funny thing is when they first walk out, there's like 20 people in there and like three people already want to fight them. And then somehow after they fight these people and half the room like runs away screaming, they get back up on stage. And so there's 20 people there and then 10 people leave during the fight. But when they get back up on stage turn around, suddenly there's like 60 people there. <laughs> like where did all, where did all, there's a one guy in the back that's like, yeah, Motley Crew. <laughs> And like someone ran outside. They're fighting inside. And everyone's like, I got to see this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, what's what's new with me? We'll get to that now. Now, yeah. That, we've, yeah. now that we've covered this Netflix original movie. Um, I relic a guitar. Like, probably the best relic I've ever done on a guitar. Um, this one? Yeah, a lot of people have seen the video. Yeah, I, this is re- Oh! Oh! Sorry, you Ryan. If you put a ding in there, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> it's a, I got the burritos all over my fingers got still. The gr- greasy burrito hands. So I uh, go watch the video of this. I know it was like two weeks ago at this point. 
I, I just put it in a big like Rubbermaid bucket with a bunch of crap and shook it around for like 20, 30 minutes. I love that. I love that. I love that Instagram clip where you're like, oh man, I forget. Or somebody was like, forget CrossFit. Yeah. Here's I'll, a new workout. Plan. The vast majority of comments that we're getting now are people commenting like kinky stuff because I whipped it. Oh, yeah. I whipped it with a belt for a while. <laughs> and I, as I was doing it, I was like, this probably looks so bad. But I don't care because this is what I want to try doing. And I don't think the belt even made that many. I think like maybe like there's a couple. Maybe these small guys on the back might yeah. have been belt. This, did you do some sanding? I did a steel wool. Okay. I, I kind of like watched it and I bounced around. So I feel like this is a pretty authentic relic yeah. at this point. Yeah. Like even the steel wool stuff looks like just regular playing kind of like yeah. scratches and stuff. I was really just and trying it's to... still like, there's a lot of spots where it's still shiny, which yeah. that's, you know, realistically you have your spots that you wear through and you have your spots that you don't. I wanted to knock back just the glossiness of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but like all the little, like little chips and stuff, it feels very natural. I feel like this should be like a real, uh, relicking technique that other people do. Putting it in a Rubbermaid with a bunch of nuts and bolts. Yeah. You just shake it. And that's how you get, because like a natural relic has like a randomness to it. I, I think the big problem with relics that you see uh, online and in person, wherever you see them, or like people doing relics in videos and whatever, is that you lose the randomness because people are always looking for patterns and trying to make patterns and stuff like that. And you get some guy who, right. who's like, oh, yeah, if you're playing guitar all the time all this paint up here is just going to get worn away but like you'll never you're never going to see a, a legitimate like naturally relative guitar that has all the paint all the way around just right. like chipped off unless the person playing it is just wearing nothing but spikes Gosh, or something man. like that the, the like over painting yeah <laughs> I, I you know some of the comments in there I, I thought i i think this is well done i think part of the issue is that like you got this relic to a stage where like people people have this idea that old guitars that every old guitar is just gonna look you know they want something that looks like it's been played you know three hours a day every day since 1965 right and this is like a pretty i think this is a pretty realistic relic job for like say a 20 year old guitar like 20, 25 years. I feel like this is a realistic relic for like a guitar you'd find that like a 15 year old guitar you'd find in a pawn shop and you could tell that like a kid played yeah, it and you had yeah. to, you had to strip, you know, stickers off of it and stuff like that. That should be my next relic process is to put some random stickers on here and then leave it oh, out in the sun for like oh. two months to get the fade. I hate it. <laughs> it's actually kind of weird. Cause on the back you have the fade here underneath. Yeah. Where the there's some little spots is. where there's some fades. Like there's a fade on the yeah. side and, you know, but we, right you know there. what we should do, uh, and I, I have to remember to do it, which I'm bad at remembering things. But I should bring my, uh, I should have brought my Strat over because my Strat is about 35 years old. Which one is that? Your the, Japanese, the three tone Strat. Okay. And I mean, it's I've never abused it. The the a lot of the damage that was on there was on there from before I owned it. I but... feel bad molesting no no i'm not saying i'm saying like to compare like what you've done to like something that's realistically like a player's guitar from from 30 years ago yeah yeah i'm sure if someone looked at this really closely they'd be like oh that yeah that was steel wool or someone yeah like doing swooshes with it it's not actual 
whatever. But, but I, I, th- I feel I like think, the little chips and stuff are, is really. I think a lot of the stuff around the edges over. looks like you know sitting on a and music no one's stand. gonna see it in this video. But no, whatever. I know, but like there's like small little things here. It's like oh, it looks like somebody maybe yeah, like it fell off of a stand and then kinked over. Or or, like, like just like threw it in the you know the tour van instead of casing. Yeah, it and or stuff even like, like if it was in a gig bag, but somebody dropped something on top of it, like sure. dropped an amp on top of it. Just a little rough too hard. use. It just looks like it's got rough use to it. I mean, looking at in the light too, you can see like little pressure dings, and I think that's where yeah. the, where the belt really came in. Like it gave it lots of little pressure dings around. You I, could definitely see like the pressure dings forming in the. Uh... I'm glad I didn't go much farther than this. You know, mm-hmm. it could go a little bit farther. Um, but maybe right. that's the sort of thing I'll do intentionally where I'll just, like, take a hammer. Well, it definitely looks a lot better than the uh, Relic job you tried on the Blue Strat. That wasn't a Relic job. now the job. Orange Strat. That was, that was me, like, trying to strip the guitar and going giving up halfway through. <laughs> I was never trying to do a Relic really? on that. Yeah. For some reason, I don't remember that. Like, I mean, I, I don't. Fi- I'm not doubting you. I just, for some reason, I thought you were just trying to punk. In my memory, you were trying to punk rock the guitar. And- no, I hated the Blue and I like started to like scrape at it with a with a uh, a screwdriver like a flat screwdriver, right. and I was only able to get so much off. And then I was just like, I'm I'm done. I'm just I'm just gonna leave it how it is because I wanted to get it all down to wood. And I figured out later how to use a heat gun to get it all off really quickly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was really just me giving up. All right. <laughs> I should just do like some random like throwing it around. To get a couple more. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah. Get oh, I landed it dead in the trap cavity. <laughs> All right. Should we get into... I almost relics your hallmark on that bounce. Well, please don't. I've actually got a couple, like, natural things in there. How dare you, sir? Should we get into a regularly scheduled program here, Steve? Jeez, Do probably, a man. episode? This first ad was sent in by Tyson Brown. We're calling it... This is Squire Relic. Squire I mean, we've, Relic. We've been talking about relics. Might as well jump into an unnatural relic. This is a custom Squire, $600. I've sharpened. First of all, on what planet does any type of Squire customization end up with a price point of $600? No planet. All right. Like, that is the like that is one of the most ridiculous things about this, besides I, this ridiculous relic. I've sharpened this simple Squire to player better and faster than its original condition. Make me an offer. I know it's an interesting piece. Her name is Eileen. <laughs> I lean into saying that this isn't worth six hundred dollars. I'd say right off the bat, like I'd offer seventy five for this. You are a generous man. Yeah, that's still a lot. Like it felt a little weird to say that, but I don't know. Like, which kind of squire is this? You think this is one of the better squires? No, it's got a single ply pickguard on it. I think that this is yeah, this is forty five dollars. Infinity uh, <laughs> Squire. Um, yeah, that it is cover- awful single ply. It is covered in stickers. It's not covered, but it's adorned with stickers. Oh, I want to know what happened to this kitty. Rip and dip. Oh, poor kitty. It's a cat sticker on the back. It Did says, the kitty die? I don't know. It says rip and dip. What does that mean? I don't think that kitty's dead. I think that's probably like a band or something. Oh, okay. There's another cat that says... There's a Sriracha sticker. There's a Santa Cruz sticker. Uh, there's a skateboard sticker, like an actual skateboard. Uh, there's some ants on the front. Yeah. There's a rose, a rose. on the front. I think the Sriracha... Oh, that was, the other pro- that was the biggest problem I had with the dirt. 
I don't. I've never intentionally listened to Motley Crue, so I only recognized like one song in the entire movie. Well, I think that was another problem with it for me. Is like, I think they only have like two or three recognizable songs, and so anytime they weren't playing like the radio hits I've heard, I was like, well, right, what song is this? Well, they, that's a, but they've had like five or six like number one album, like not maybe sure. number one, but like big albums. We already talked about that. Let's yeah. talk about this guitar. Let's talk about these cats. <laughs> this relic is out of control. Meow. Like. People always try to do, you know, this worn away thing, like right above the pit guard, like in the, in the, like the way, the upper waist. Yeah. That's in the wrong spot. And it's like, no one, no one picks enough for this level of damage. It looks like a squirrel chewed at it. (laughs) Maybe it did. Maybe that cat chewed on it. Like he, it looks like it's some sort of scraping, like tool was used to it like he went beyond pulling away paint he's pulling away wood literally okay so literally um and not like it just stops there there's no damage on the pickguard at all so all of the edge um all of the edge like the top top and bottom edge uh relicking and this the zoom in on the front of the body near where the or where the jack is you guys can see all these pictures uh, what would on, even on happen to, to cause that by the jack? Yeah, you like, know what caused all of this damage? A heat gun and a paint and a paint scraper. I don't think a heat gun was involved here. I think this is all chisel work. I think there. I think this. I mean, it could just be all chisel work. This just reminds me of like when you're heat gunning and you you do it just enough to get the, the your your paint scraper under it. And then you take the heat gun away and just scrape through, and whatever There's comes like off comes off. Deep gouges in here. There like, are some really pulling, bad gouges. I think I think he'd finally, whoever was doing this, finally figured out what they were doing by the time they got to the back cutaway here, and they've got just like a very like more subtle, like soft sanded sort of relic. Right, but even that, like that type of relic, <laughs> would way never over, happen. Way over the top. Yeah, that would never happen in any scenario. Okay, ever. this this guy says that. Um, it's better and faster than its original condition, but literally these all look like stock components. There's no mention of these not being stock components. Yeah. So what he's saying is, I took a I took a uh, a wood chisel and a screwdriver to this guitar, uh, and then I took it to a shop for a forty dollars setup, six hundred dollars. Oh, I hope not. Um, the the I think the the biggest thing for me the biggest crack up is the headstock. Yeah. Um, do you, he either hand painted the Squire logo back on there, or he traced around the Squire logo with a black marker. What what do you think happened? I think that this was the Fender logo is pristine. That's the original. So again, I, I think this is like a Squire. This could have even been like a Korean Squire bullet. Uh huh. So I think this was a black label Squire. Do you think he marked over that? That he used silver silver paint pen down the middle of it and it's, then outlined it with a black pen. It's so cartoony, it's hilarious. I almost want that on one of my squires. And then the you know, his art on the back of it is stupid. Yeah. Like, a genuine Fender product designed in the USA. Eileen. This Come person on, shouldn't be writing things on anything. Why would you put? I just. Why would you put this much work into a squire? And you're like, I'm gonna name it Eileen. Who yeah, cares? You lean because this guitar is like, like is it because maybe it's called Eileen because typically on these guitars the bodies are so lightweight that they're neck heavy. So it's like when he holds it, it just kind of leans. This guy can't be sincerely, seriously, like sincerely 
Yeah. I'm combining sincerely and seriously. He can't Sincer- be. He can't sin- be sinceriously. He can't be sincerely. Ryan, try expecting to. Let's to try get- to be sincerious for the rest of this episode. Okay. <laughs> I love that word so much. Now he can't be sincerely trying to sell this for six hundred dollars. <laughs> like it has to be a joke in between him and his buddies or something like that. Like <laughs> I'm going to put this up six hundred dollars. Like it's there's no it way in any universe that he actually thinks it's worth genuinely that. bad. Yeah. I do what not. is the word I made up? Sincerely. Sincerely. That's a beautiful word. I hope that takes off. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. Everyone go look at... If you're listening on the podcast and you're not seeing the pictures, go look at the pictures in the uh, episode description. Oh, man. Do we want to jump into the topic? Well, let's do this first sponsor spot, huh? Sponsor spot! Sponsor let's pay spot. them bills! This week's first sponsor is Diderio. Uh, we're talking about the Diderio XL strings. Ryan, you just recently restrung uh, some guitars. A guitar? Yeah, I've got an empty plastic bag here to prove it. Excuse I me. restrung my Jazzmaster because I'm working oh, okay. on a demo right now that's not published at the time of this episode. So keep an eye out for something kind of surfy here in the future. If you are playing an offset guitar, isn't there some kind of like YouTuber rule that you either have to play a Nirvana song Mm-hmm. Or like it's a Nirvana song, mm-hmm. a Sonic Youth song, well, no or a surf that. rock song. Right? Yeah, it, preferably Nirvana or surf rock. Like that's it, you can't pick up an offset without doing those in a YouTube right. video. We all know that it's the law. But yeah, I uh, I used some my actual Dario strings, Dario mm-hmm. strings today. Dario, Dario. All right, well, these uh, are the- I just like the strings had gone super dead on my Jazzmaster. I needed it to twang. Yeah. I needed some bright characteristics yeah, in I there. Get that snap. And I I threw them in there. Of course, I'm going to use my Diderios. Yeah. So the XLs are kind of like in the in the middle. They're they're not the brightest string. That would be the Pro Steels. Mm-hmm. They're not the warmest string. Like the Chromes are just right there in oh, the, the middle. Oh, the Chromes are like flat wounds. Yeah, yeah. And uh, those are going to be super thuddy. But yeah. Uh, D'Addario has six strings in their XL lineup, the nickel wound, the pro steels, the half rounds, the pure nickel, the chromes, and the EXP coateds. These are just the classic nickel wounds. Um, so whether you want something really bright or something kind of mellow, D'Addario's got a string for you. Check out the link below. Go see what they got. Go if to- you're a local guitar store, I can almost, like, I don't know if I've ever been to a guitar store that doesn't have D'Addario strings. If you're... Guitar store doesn't carry Daddario strings. You need to drop to the floor and stop, drop, and roll out of there. And you need to sneak out so no one sees you because obviously you're somewhere that is like a front for like the mob or something. That's like a like a money laundering situation. Because mm. I can't imagine a guitar store that doesn't have Daddario strings. Maybe I was gonna say you need to find the owner and you need a Daddario. Him to carry these like the, strings. The, I double dog to Dario. <laughs> double dog to Dario. <laughs> you I double to carry dog, the string. Steve and I double dog to Dario to take the Dario challenge <laughs> to just put the Dario strings on your guitars. Just do it. <laughs> what are you waiting for? All right. Do we want to tackle this topic? Like, yeah. I actually, do some actual yeah, let's podcasting. Do a, let's do a topic. So I've been thinking, Steve. Um, I mean, I, I recorded this demo today and it was a giant cluster F for me. Were you, were you, has it, was it lately that you were thinking? Lately I've been thinking. So it took me forever. I spent all day just cursing and swearing at myself, like not being able to get the parts played right. And, uh, I had to walk away and like 
just pace and go have a meal and sit down and cool down and then come back. And then I was able to finally squeeze out like the parts I was trying to play. And it had me thinking like, why do we suck so bad? <laughs> and why, why do we like allow ourselves to suck so bad? <laughs> like what is our, like our contributing, like, like personality defects that we don't like you and I specifically, but like every, <laughs> every, everyone else too. Like, why don't we address these issues of like why we don't play well and just hunker down and like practice in those directions and like get better. Like, I th- I fully believe, like, I've seen you play good. I've seen me play good. I fully believe that if we sat down and dedicated our lives to it, like, we could be ripping players. Like, we, we could be good players. I don't know, man. And maybe even that's something we can discuss here in a second. Oh, yeah, okay, like, yeah. We can discuss, like, what our perceived, like, the ceiling of our skill is. So, I think the first thing I would say is I, I think the internet, and I think that... <laughs> millennials. Millennials. <laughs> they don't drive cars. They haven't bought a house yet. They, all they do is play guitar all day. <laughs> um, no, I think there's a, uh, I think there's a legitimate um, overexposure because I think when you watch a YouTube demo guy, sure, and you're like, wow, that guy's really good, and then you try to do the same thing, and you're like, wow, I suck. Like, like so. So and this isn't just to like to like you know oh Ryan you're fantastic but like I guarantee you like ninety percent of the people who watch your videos probably are like oh man this guy's ripping like this guy's ripping up and there's like maybe like half of those people like view it I I know we get the comment a lot, I, like I am surprised how few comments I get of people like dissing my playing it's very rare that right. I get that and considering well, and, how many like do. how many trolls we get on other. Yeah. topics in the videos and, and like, i mean i'm probably in videos i present as playing fine right but what i mean is like there are and there's a lot of people and like you can take this is almost backhanded but i think it's meant in sincerity there are a lot of people who like your videos because they see the level that you play at as an achievable sure. level for the average you know weekend player like regular guy level playing guy who picks yeah. up the guitar like maybe on a tuesday and a saturday and not much else yeah, yeah. um but I think we've also reached a level where our exposure to like other musicians is so high that we're just like surrounded by not just seeing these people. Like it's it's one thing, okay, I, like to make an example, like it's one thing to hear um to like flip through YouTube, oh I want to see a demo right, of this right. pedal. Oh, like who's this Jay Leonard J guy? I'm gonna watch this oh, demo. Man. And then you watch and you're like, oh man, this guy's ridiculous. It's one thing to watch that demo and be like, that guy's ridiculous. It's another thing to which was on our Instagram during Nam, like where I would see Jane doing a demo, like shooting a demo in a booth, and I just come in and be like, I did that a couple times. And like that's a completely different experience because now you're in the same space and you're like, wait, this guy's at Nam. I shouldn't even be like demo. I shouldn't even be like trying out any gear at NAMM. Yeah, yeah. If this is the and even like you go to all the different NAMM booths because it's just ev- on a different level. Everybody, at least it feels like everybody in every NAMM booth, even like whether they're an owner, like anybody who's doing any kind of exhibition uh, as an exhibitor, like playing exhibitor in, at NAMM, is a better musician than you are. Like that's how it By feels. Far. That's definitely how it feels to me. By far. Like, like, you know, and then you like want to check out the Greer stuff, but Clifton Worley's in there and you're like, I'll check this out. Never. 
except for uh, effects on pedals arena corner via the shy boys <laughs> i'm very confident in saying that i'm probably the worst like guitar playing demo guy and that's just me being a very average like everyday style guitarist like because mo- the vast majority of demo guys are like they're like they're like studio hired guns yeah, and things that's like fair. that and there are people okay. there are people who came saying. into it because they're like man i can rip i should film this we're like yeah. i came into it, it was like we've got a podcast we already have an audience i should film things yeah right <laughs> Uh, but, but I mean, I guess that speaks to where where we we kind of why we feel the way we feel. But like, what do you think? Like, what are the limits? Yeah, like, that's what I so, that's, like. What, so I what, wanted you to go first. Like, what sure. do you think is like the top ceiling of like achievable performance for you? Like, what what, what think, kind of what kind of player do you think you could be if you dedicated your life to it? I think to, for starters, I think one of the things I've again this is with with the expansion of the internet. A lot of the uh, the guy uh, like the guys like you know Jay Leonard, Jay Mason, Stoops, whatever, all the guys who are at Gitaco mm-hmm. as like actual players at that thing. Um, in the nineties, I didn't know that kind of player existed. Or, sure, or like I, I I guess I knew those players existed, but like when I was learning guitar, those those types of players I thought of as like those were you know the um, uh, Kurt. Kirk Hammett's of the world. Well, you know, even like, even like the Kirk Hammett's of the world, you don't really get exposed to like virtuosity in like, in popular radio music. No, even if you're listening to like metal and stuff like that, like they're still playing for the song. Right. Instead of just like, look at this crazy trick I can do. But what I mean is from like a, from a exposure level to like radio music, I always felt like there were, there's like two guitarists out. There's two kinds of guitarists out there. There is, you know, Kirk Hammett and there's James Hetfield and like, I'm never going to be Kirk Hammett, but maybe I could be James Hetfield. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I, my playing very early on was always like very rhythm oriented and very like, not necessarily like chugga chugga, but like I, I learned a lot of like basic chords. And I think where I kind of plateaued out was like understanding how to move those chords up and down and like do like partial chords to create different shapes and whatever. Um, but as far as like a ceiling goes, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't have like, I haven't been able to develop any level of like speed or like pick to string, con- like consciousness of like uh-huh. where, when I'm, where I, I, I don't feel like I could consistently like close my eyes and be like G string. And then, you know, Do you feel like we G string and like nail that every yeah. time, like that, know that string spacing, like natively do you feel like when you practice it's to get better or is it just to become familiar with a song i think it tends to be more to get familiar with a song to do at like a passable so you, do you think you ever at a passable sp- level spend any time practicing to like like sharpen a skill or like I, develop, I definitely like, don't learn, learn like a new lick or something like I, that? that so i have been working on one new lick and and what I can't wait. He's been talking about this one new lick oh my for gosh, years. I can't is... wait till he drops this on. It's the blue steel. It's gonna be so good. <laughs> no, um, we're so all ready for the for the new lick, Steve. This is like the Netflix episode. Steve's um, new lick. Did you watch? Have you watched Umbrella Academy? I have. So Umbrella Academy, the the main theme. I at least what I felt like was the main one of the main themes musically is a cover of Simon and Garfunkel's um, Hazy Shade of Winter. Uh-huh. So I've been like here as I've had time, like trying to learn like the, the uh, opening riff 
from that song. And literally, that's probably the first time that I've in a that's the first time in a, at least in a really long time that I've heard a riff and gone. I think I could learn that riff, and I'm actually interested enough in that riff to try to learn it. Nice. And so I, I think a, a lot of my self limitation is that sometimes I hear riffs and I go, I I definitely could not do that. I'm not even going to try. Right, right. Or I hear a riff and I go, yeah, I could probably do that, but it's boring. Sure. I think a lot of, like, for us, too, like, a lot of the music that we play, like, the church music and stuff, it's like, there's not a lot of actual parts you have to learn. Like, it's, like, you have to learn how to play to the song. Right. Like, being familiar with the chords and staying in the pocket, but it's not like, oh, I have to nail this specific part. Or like here's a specific riff I have to nail or something like that. Even with bass, like it's like I'm playing in key, like here's the scale. Like as long as I stay in the groove and in the pocket, it's going to be okay. Yeah, and hit those root notes. And and actually, I I mean I don't know. This could be biased, but I think bass in a band setting, I think bass actually benefits more from having a a toolbox of techniques. Sure. Than than guitar does because guitar functionally in like so many bands uh only um only uh it tends to be kind of a like limited in a lot of okay. a lot of outputs and and again like I think that's where for my own playing like where um the music I've li- I've listened to over the years and the music that I've enjoyed has kind of like limited what I've tried to learn to play. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't feel- know. What, what do you think is your upper, upper limit? Sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. Well, if I, I feel like I have a fairly high, like ceiling of potential as a guitarist. And I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but I know like, like I know like what I, how I was trying to play when I was a teenager, when I had the, t- the time mm-hmm. to spend, you know, two or three hours playing every day just to like learn and try to explore stuff. And I was like trying to go down this very like, like Gary Hoey, like Joe Satriani's right. road. I had a Floyd Rose. I had a wall pedal and a distortion pedal. And I was trying to like learn to shred and like try to do like this aggressive, like, like, you know, hot dogging type stuff. Right. And eventually it's just like, yeah, I don't have any where to use mm, these kinds. Dogs. <laughs> I don't have anywhere to use these kinds of sounds. This isn't the kind of music that anyone is really listening to. Like, I don't even really want to play this kind of stuff in a band. And so then I pulled back really far into like right. more of like a punk rock style and then eventually morphed into like more of like surf rock mm-hmm. type stuff that I'm doing now. But it's like, I think if I spent the time really practicing, like really, really practicing like a couple hours a day, I could probably get close to the level that a lot of other YouTubers are doing. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like doing like double tapping stuff. Like, uh, you know, getting into like extended range, like seven and eight strings and stuff like Genty things and whatever. Like I could learn all that. I I feel like I could learn to play anything if I spent the time with it. But it's like, I don't have the time to do that. And I think that's like my biggest barrier to that is time. Because if I'm not like, I, I've, I've got a niche with the YouTube channel that fits my style of playing. There's no reason for me to play different than that at this point. And if I'm not doing something that 
like makes me money, then I'm just not going to do it. It's basically what it's like. This it's a survival thing. Yeah, like it's not yeah. like a greed thing. It's like I've got to pay bills. Like I don't have time to sit three hours a day and like better myself as a musician. Like I'm like I think my attitude has been like if I'm learning, I'm learning on my feet while I'm working. Right. You know, and I think that's kind of been a limitation to me, even though like from starting doing demos to now like i feel like i have improved as a guitarist it's just sure. been kind of slow and in directions that are it's been useful maybe in a, a little ways. and it's probably also been a little more like you said like you're you're learning as you work like right. you're getting better as you work so it's more of an organic versus i play better directed than, i play better than i should for someone of my age with my responsibilities right <laughs> And it's just because I've turned this into a job. Like if if we had just continued just doing the podcast and not doing video like demo videos at all, then I would be way worse right now. Yeah. A hundred percent. I do you ever feel like well, I mean, I guess you like have your niche and it seems like for the most part I, I you at least come off on YouTube and whatever as as being pretty confident in the those. Um like do you feel really comfortable in like your musical niche? Yeah, I guess. So I, I think for me that that's another limitation. I don't feel bad about myself. Do what, you feel Do you feel bad about yourself Steve? about my playing? Yeah, it's really bad. You, do you? But do you emotionally feel like guilt or anything like that about your playing? Only when I try to play on camera, <laughs> and then you have to edit it, and I feel bad for you. By edit it, you mean just delete everything? <laughs> <laughs> when I when I did the talk and tellies at Co's uh-huh. with RJ, he he texted me a few days later. He goes. He goes, man. Oh, I still need to watch his video uh, of the Harley Benton. He goes, he goes, dude. Um, I think I got just enough B roll to get like, we. He was like filming for like fifteen minutes. He's like, he's like, I think I got just enough B roll to put out like a four minute video. <laughs> I was like, sorry, man. Like, and, and so for me, like, I, I think I had to learn a lot of those lessons with my playing though. Like starting out demos, like. I go back and watch some of the old ones. I'm like, none of this should have made the cut. Like this right. is all garbage. And like learning how to play for a demo, learning how to play for the camera, like was a skill I had to develop. I think a bit, one of my big limitations and probably honestly, like I think I should probably stop watching when I, I don't watch a ton of gear demos, but when I do, I feel like I should probably like stop watching like tradition, like the, tr- the main gear demo guys, like whether that's, you know, you or like Andy or like RJ. Am I a main demo guy? I think, you're a, I think you're a main, like a main, more main, like, like I'm saying like, I guess I mean main in terms of like conventional okay. music. Sure, sure. Um, I should probably spend more time watching like, uh, the shy boys. <laughs> I will, I can, that will make me feel good about my playing. No, um, I think, I think the style that I hear in my head for my playing, for the kind of playing I would like to do is more along the lines of like, the chords of Orion can get a little crazy. Um, He's good. I I think is more along the lines of like chords of Orion or like knobs or like ambient the ambient notes channel. Okay, like guys who are make like doing more doing like soundscape work or doing more like because a lot of the sounds I hear coming out of that are 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 kind of like uh, post rock, uh, post hardcore kind of things where it's not it's not really like rooted in like your standard like blues rock whatever that transitioned into like progressive progress whether that's like progressive metal or just general progressive rock mm-hmm. like there's kind of like that branch and then there's kind of like this post rock and i feel like 
And sometimes I just think like, well, that's because you're lazy, man. And you just want to put like four reverbs down and play one note and say like, there's my song. I'm done. <laughs> um, but I think like that, I think because I, I definitely when I play, like I don't process what I'm playing in real time. Like I don't, I don't feel like I can play fast and maybe that's just a limitation of not practicing at that speed. Or like, I think part of it is that I don't practice at slow speeds enough and then work my way up. So I'm comfortable like finding melodies at a slow speed, but then I feel like anytime I'm in a space where it's like, Oh, Hey bro, you play guitar. Check this out. Like play, play something cool. I'm just like, uh, okay. Like that's my default because, because I feel like there's that pressure there to be like, Oh, uh, they want to hear something. Uh, I guess I'm going to play like this default, like pentatonic ish riff, even though it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, that's I think the that's thing like that a, you that's the thing that you play at guitar center, right? Yeah. Anytime, yeah, I've seen you try to play like what you think people want you to play, like it's just hot garbage. But then like when you play in your own style, when you play, you know, like Steve's way, yeah. Like it sounds good because that's the way that you actually play, but then that's not like that you that well, kind it's of style. Only, it's like a lot of cowboy it works, chords. It works in a song. But it's, yeah. like, it's not how you show off to anyone. It's yeah. not how you like demonstrate something to someone, you know, whether it's like, maybe it's a, a limitation. Some people would say it's a limitation. Some people would say that it's an excuse and probably is an excuse. But sure. like, I've definitely like always felt, I've always gotten the compliment of like, of like, Oh, you consistently play to what the song needs. Right. And my response to that is usually like, that's because I can't do, like, I'm not good enough <laughs> to play anything that the song doesn't need. Right, right. Like, I'm only going to play like, oh, dude, this, the, the, uh, the way like, like, oh, I wouldn't have thought to put a swell there. That swell was like perfect. Like, that's exactly what the song needs. I'm like, okay, good. Cause I'm, I'm really good at swells. <laughs> I'm not good at anything else. <laughs> so this works. Yeah. I tend to be too busy. And that's like a restraint discipline right. sort of thing. Like I'm always like just filling in like all sorts of deedly deedlies and noodly parts and stuff like that. And then I don't actually, I miss the parts where I could be playing along with the song. Cause I'm just off, you know, playing muscle memory hopscotch across the right. fretboard. Um, and the thing is, is like, I don't, my, my muscles are, are have, uh, like, uh, Alzheimer's or <laughs> there's no memory <laughs> yeah. some kind of dementia I think for me like I'm gonna, I'm gonna say what I think I need to do to improve and then you say what you need to do okay to I think for me to improve I think I need to work on this muscle like I need to work on like my understanding of how music right. works better like so that I can go new places like I think I think my hands are good I can play fast. I can play, you know, all sorts of, you know, little delicate pitch harmonics and stuff like that and little different techniques and whatever. But like from here to my hands, there's like a big barrier. I'm just relying on a lot of muscle memory and I could use more education. Right. So what what do you think you need to improve? I think I need to find more songs that have riffs that I actually want to learn. And they exist. Sure. And I think there are times where I hear hear those songs and I go, I should remember that, but I'm never like, you know, I'm out and about no. and like, I don't actually remember it. I, I feel think, like you've always uh, had like, the, the thing that I have trouble with, you always have like a good grasp on like basic theory. Like when we used to play in church band together, I'd be like, 
what's going on with this song? And you'd oh, be yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah you, get, you don't hit the seventh. Like, avoid the seventh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, well, and, uh, I, I, I think, don't. I don't know why that I shouldn't do that or do this right. other thing, you know? And, and I think that maybe that's part of what builds into that limitation is like i've i've only ever like written what i would i've only ever written what i would say like maybe two or three complete songs i probably haven't written a complete song in like 15 years okay um but i always thought i was really good at like rearranging like rearranging Mm. songs so like in the the two bands we were in together i like you and Adam would uh, you would do mo- do most of the songs. Then every once in a while, Adam would come in with a song, and then I would usually just sit there and like I'd listen to what was going on. And I'd be like, "What if we made that part heavier?" <laughs> and it'd be and then we do it, and then it would be like, "Oh wow, that was really cool." Yeah, yeah. Like, what if we? And then it'd be like, "What if? Well, if that part's heavy, maybe we should do that part heavy." Do like, no, no, just that part. Leave everything else alone. Like all I would do is like just do small tweaks. Yeah. And then everything else, like, just leave everything else, like, but I, but I wouldn't, I never came in and was like, all right, guys, I've done it all. Like, here's everything. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's do this. It was always just, no, you guys bring it in and like, like, I'll just I've make the I've never been able to, tweaks. like, finish a song by myself. I always have to bring it to a band and like, here's my sketch. He, right. Like, me, but I can, I can't figure even, this out. I can, I, here's my sketch, guys. <laughs> nothing. There's nothing, there's nothing there. Yeah, I know. You guys. Uh, work with this, work with this blank space I'm giving you. And then like at the end, I'll do some, I'll do some, uh, hatch, some, uh, some hatching over here and it'll be done. <laughs> so let's, let's move on. But, uh, everyone listening at home at work, in the car, wherever, if you're in the car, definitely do this. Like <laughs> go on your phone right now and like comment in the Facebook group on YouTube or wherever you happen to be and tell us why you suck and how you think you can get yeah. better. Yeah. I, I, do you feel like you're motivated at all to get better? Like, do you, I don't know if I'll actually like put in the work to get better. I would, I would like to get better. And I think, you know, I do the, uh, that, um, Squire bullet that I have the old, the old one, the little one, um, it's, it, it sits out all the time. And I actually, I changed the strings. I put some fresh Daddario's on it, uh, <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago. So it's, it's in really good plank shape. I don't plug it in. I think the electronics need some work. But it's just sitting there. So so there are definitely like times where if we're just sitting around and not doing anything, I'm I'm more prone to just pick it up and maybe like if there is a song that like maybe I heard earlier that night on TV, like I'll pull it up on my phone and be like, Oh, there's the there's that riff. Like I'm gonna spend a a, a few minutes trying to figure this out um and get like a little more exposure. And and again, like that's just some of that's about comfort. And and some of it too, like honestly, like it's hard. It's hard to be self-motivated like yeah because any playing goals that I have for myself are kind of ephemeral. Mm-hmm. It's I'm not good at like oh I should I want to get better at this for the sake of getting better at it. It's more like well I'm good enough that like I could probably like you know if <laughs> I'm good enough that if uh Garth Brooks ever needed me to play his actual acoustic guitar parts. I could do that. <laughs> I will not be the lead guitarist in his band, but I could be the real acoustic guitar to his sometimes real acoustic guitar. Like, you know, yeah. Uh, and that's just like a, a comfortable place. And I'm, it's hard to be motivated to do better than that. And I know like we've talked about like, well, like if you got better guitar. Like you could come on and, and like, actually like one of the pedals you got in that you're describing, actually a couple of the pedals that you got mm-hmm. in that you're describing. I was like, 
man, like if I had more confidence, I think I could probably do something cool. I still think that we could, if we had the time, we could get together in here. You could play bass. We could throw on a beat with the beat buddy. Yeah. And we could jam and it would be fun. I think that's the thing we we need to figure out a way to do. And and maybe that's like, maybe because the... I don't know. We we obviously like. I don't want to get inside baseball on this right now, but it's a thing that we've inside talked about. Baseball. Oh, jeez. Some slap at a baseball. Oh my god! Somebody <laughs> said that to me the other day. Like, oh, you know, slap at the base. And I was like, yeah. And then you yeah. kicked them in the teeth. I've seen that movie. <laughs> Let's move on to the uh, the next uh, ad. The next sponsor. Okay, next uh, sponsors. This episode is also sponsored by uh, Chase Bliss Audio. Should I grab a pedal? You should tell. Oh, yeah, you can go grab a pedal. That works too. Um, or, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm just talking here because I didn't write down my notes. Oh, here we go. Uh, Chase Bliss Audio. They make pedals that are more creative than you might be. In my left know. hand, a delay that makes you sound really weird and crazy. In my right hand, a vibrato chorus that makes you sound really weird and crazy. What? That's what we're talking about here. Pedals that make you sound really weird and crazy, but also can be dialed back to be very conservative, very like classic, like powerful sounding yeah. effects. Like the Therme is a wonderful analog delay mm-hmm. just by itself at its core. It's a great delay. But then you get into all those crazy settings and it becomes a wild noisemaker making noises you could never believe or even possible. Same thing with the Warp Final. Nice, smooth, glassy, classic chorus and vibrato sounds, or just the craziest, wonkiest, like like vinyl record bent in half and mm. then played somehow distorted warp sounds. Did we mention it sounds crazy? Yep. Chase Bliss pedals, they yeah. are more creative than you are. Yeah, analog art, digital brain. I got that backwards, but head on over to chasebliss.audio.com. It's the right information in the wrong order. Uh Story of my life. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, also talk about Sinusoid. Sinusoid. This week we're talking about solderless uh, cables. Their solderless cables are great. They have them in like six different colors. Uh, they're really easy to assemble. Um, somewhere on our YouTube, there's a video of me assembling them. I think it's like a two-minute video because that's pretty much how long it took. Yeah. It's like cut, cut, push, push, screw, screw. There you go. You're done. Cut, cut, push, push, screw, screw. Yep. That's how Steve likes to do. So, uh, sinusoid. They make cables. And smiles. <laughs> All right. This next ad was sent in by Darren Schmize. That's what I'm going with. Uh, you this is, pronounced that perfectly and beautifully. There's no way that that's incorrect. This is a Fender Telecaster Paisley Relic. It sold for 420 pounds. That's heavy. Uh, I yeah. mean... Telecasters are fairly light guitars usually. That's really heavy for a Telecaster. Mm-hmm. Is anyone sick of that joke? Yep. Let me know in the I comments. Sure <laughs> uh, this says, professional relic job, genuine paisley wallpaper, pink gold, finished over with Daphne blue. Uh, body is all parts, alder all parts, neck is maple all parts, bridge, fender gold. I did not realize that. So I did not re- realize. That. So this isn't actually uh, a fender anything. Uh, yeah. The bridge is a fender. It's a gold black. Um. Wiring CTS pods, pickups are Bill Lawrence. Um, this thing, now that I'm seeing, so 420 pounds, I want to say is ballpark, um, like six hundred and fifty dollars. 
it feels a little steep for something that's a parts guitar and that is like the aesthetic is very subjective yeah at best if if someone's gonna like it i was trying I, to figure out why the water slide looks so weird i don't like if i would have read the description i would have known yeah it just feels a little off like how it's placed yeah i would say if it's this probably was, placed really off but if it feels this was off. 420 dollars i think that would it's still probably pretty i think rough. that would get my interest i feel like i would buy the body at a upper premium price because i like this look do you like this look i'm really confused by this look but the more i look at it the more i like it i like that this this actual like shining gold wallpaper like it's not the traditional uh fender paisley like it's a new kind of pink paisley with that gold worked in there um i would have preferred a different color other than that light blue to be the paint that's relic over I don't, it. I feel like the, the I don't know. To, for the say, listeners at home, like it's a, it's a, this metallic and pink and green. Yeah, it's metallic like, gold and pink paisley. Like pink. pink paisley. Like, you know, very similar to the style of a traditional pink yeah, paisley telecaster. I actually didn't realize until I saw the ad that this wasn't right. a painted over paisley telecaster. But then it was sprayed over that with like daffing blue. And then that daphne blue was relicked off of the paisley. So yeah. the paisley's poking out and all so sorts of So what color places. would you want to see as the spray? I'd probably go further towards like a sea foam or something like that. Or, okay. Or um, maybe black. Cause I, like you get black, like that pink poking out underneath black yeah, or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I think that's too stark. I actually feel like the way the daphne, the daphne blue is on the back is kind of a sea foamy green. Yeah. Uh, vibe. That's why I said it push push it more in that direction because the the blue just kind of looks kind of dirty and desaturated. Maybe it's the light that it's yeah. in. The only thing about this guitar that I don't understand is why the pickup is pink. Oh, around the pickup, yeah, like- because because normally on a, a Paisley Telecaster the pickguard would be clear, mm-hmm. but then the areas where you would see body routing. Oh. would have that spray around a pink spray on the backside of it to cover that up. So that that's what they're trying to indicate with this build is like, oh, then there and I think this is a, here. now that I look at it, I think it this is, is a clear pick guard. I don't like that. I don't like I I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I just I do not like it. They're going for this authenticity sort of thing. Like, oh, someone refinished this guitar and then they kept the clear pit guard. Yeah. And then they then then the rest of the guitar got I think relic. the vintage tuners are like a fun touch. Yeah. Like some faux some faux age by using period correct parts. I think without knowing who the person who did the work is, because he said it was professionally relic. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing that would make this a you know, go for the price that it went for here in the States. Like someone would need uh, to know like, Oh, this well-known reliquer did this. So, right. so I can buy this and know that I can flip it with confidence or, or just resell it with confidence. No, I'll get my money back. Um, it, because it's no name and it's just, it's pretty wonky. Mm-hmm. Like someone like me likes this, but it's going to be hard sell for a lot of people. Like, I just don't feel like the price is there. Even Ryan though, has even spoken. Though, even though it did sell, I mean, it sold, which means yeah. which means someone wanted it for that price. Um, what do you? I mean, we're doing a lot of relics this episode. What do you think of this relic? I I like I like this relic job better than the other one. The better than the squire. Well, I feel like this 
Like this is very far away from a natural relic. Like it doesn't look realistic right. at all, but it looks fun. Like it's yeah. interesting to I don't look think, at. I don't feel like this is meant to look like a realistic relic. It's already This is meant to know? look like a pink paisley telly that somebody did like a light spray coat on top of and then like maybe it would have a, a quickly distressed look because it's a really thin layer of paint that's just like No, I don't think any of this looks like it wore off with natural use. It, it looks like you I'm know, not even necessarily saying it wore off from natural use. I'm saying like it wore off because it's thin, cheap paint. Oh, and at okay. one point it got a nick and the guy like was like scraping oh, whatever and like he grabbed it and pulled and like he did a what, big chunk of the paint came off. Yeah, the 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 theoretical person here did what I did with my strat. Like right. tried to strip away what he like discovered like oh there's paisley under here and just kept keep scraping yeah. away with it with his pick but never actually has the time to actually strip there's the paisley under here what kind of jackhole covers paisley with paint <laughs> yeah i think it looks cool the price is debatable but it sold so whatever uh should we uh get into the next topic yeah man it's gonna be a long app we're at our, at our hour is. mark here. Uh, this ad was, uh, this is story, I guess. Yeah. Where did you find this? Uh, the guy messaged me because I was doing Harley Benton uh, oh, okay. videos. And he's like, I got to tell you my Harley Benton story. So, uh, oh, uh, the, his name is Connor. Yeah, he's in uh, Ireland. Okay, so he says, so back in April, I was chilling, watching a YouTube video. And some guy call, calls, should I do the, I Am I supposed to Irish accent? This? No, please don't. <laughs> If uh, I wanted that, I'd just call Colin Scott and have him record there it. There we me. go. Some guy calls to my house by... Is that a demo guy brag? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If I wanted an Irish guy, I'd just call... No big deal. No, I'll just get Colin Scott on the a, line. If I ever need a, German, a fake German accent, I'll just call it Henning. Just call, just call Henning. No big deal. <laughs> so back in April, I was chilling, watching a YouTube video, and some guy calls to my house by ringing the doorbell. So being the lazy mofo I am, I ignore the repeat ringing. A few moments pass, and I hear a huge crash from a window being smashed downstairs. I quickly realize that my house is being broken into and need to get ready to deal with it. Looking out around my room to procure an item I could use to defend myself with, I had to opt to picking a guitar. The guitar I chose was the Harley Benton 8-string guitar, the R458BK Progressive Series. Armed with that beast, I charged downstairs and encountered the burglar breaking and entering. At this point, there's glass all over the floor and the burglar is making his way into the house. Holding the 8-string guitar by the headstock, I approach him and tell him to get the F out. The burglar threatened to cut me with a box cutter, so I bashed him across the head with the eight string. Hit the ground like a sack of S, but he quit. I don't know. I don't Like an like. S of S? Fine. You know what? Hold on. I got to make a note. Uh, where was I? This he, episode he, is now rated for teens. Yeah. Uh, he hit the ground like a sack of shit, but he quickly got to his feet before I hit him again and jumped back out through the window. Before I hit him again and jumped back out through the window and took off running. I tried to cut him off by running out the front door, but it was locked. I ran back upstairs, grabbed my keys, and saw saw from my bedroom from window that he was getting away, I guess. Uh, so instead of going downstairs and out the front door, I jumped from the second-story window with the eight-string in hand. At that moment, the burglar looked back while I was in mid-free fall, and the look of horror on his face was priceless. At that point, he knew he was effed. So he took he off running. He wrote run- F, so yeah. Steve didn't censor that. Uh, so he took off running... Uh, for his life down the street while I charged after him wielding the HB8 string body raised overhead, ready to whack him with it. Uh, I managed to close the distance and gave him a belt of the guitar across the head to temporarily stun him. And I, I got in front of him. At that point, he brandishes his Stanley blade knife and begins slashing at me with it. Luckily, I was able to maintain a distance and parry all of his attacks by jabbing him in the face repeatedly with the guitar. 
Two minutes of knife guitar dueling. We find ourselves out in the middle of the road on a roundabout and all traffic has come to a halt as we continued fighting. Page two. Screen grab two. After many well-placed strikes from the burglar's head, I, uh, the burglar's head was beginning to look like Sloth from the Goonies movie. Realizing that I was going to give up the bur- give up, I wasn't going to give up. The burglar then tried to make a getaway by hijacking an articulated lorry. What is an articulated no lorry? I think it's a kind of bird. <laughs> uh, which resulted in him getting punched straight in the face and falling out of the lorry cab. He then uh, proceeded to get in another car and threaten the driver, telling him to drive. My heart sank as I thought he was going to get away, but I just couldn't let that piece of shit get away with it. So I chased after the car in what would have looked like a low-budget Terminator 2 chase scene. Somehow I managed to keep up with the car and see where it was going. The driver had pulled over and the scumbag got out and planned to hide in a barbershop to which he was quickly escorted off the premises because he had because he had a head on him like a buckled mattress. Oh, it's just a double bus. Oh, it's a, oh, bus, it's that like had, a, it's oh. a bus that has the accordion in the middle. Gotcha. Yeah. Articulated. We Lori. call those accordion buses. Uh, I ran into them and asked them to call the guards. Meanwhile, the moron went to a neighborhood neighboring cafe and sat down. I think that was the concussion beginning to set in. At this stage, I had enough and left the guitar outside and went in and disarmed and pinned him in the cafe as staff and customers looked on in confusion. But I calmly explained to everyone that I had everyone. I calmly explained to everyone once I had an, had in an anaconda choke. The guards appeared in no time and arrested him and put him in the back of the car. The moral of the story is don't bring a knife to a guitar fight. That's an incredible story. Can you imagine being a burglar and you're running away and you look behind you and there's a dude jumping out a window with an eight string guitar? What does this guitar look like? It's a, you know? it's a big old like eight string metal guitar. It looks like a guitar bass, you know, like it's huge. It's got a pointy headstock on it and stuff. The thing I was going to ask is like, what kind of guitar would you brandish as a weapon if you were going to like get into a home defense sort of thing? I mean... Oh, wow. That is a large. It's a beefy guitar. Like, Yeesh. can you imagine getting in the head, like hitting yeah, the head with like that a, thing? I would for, again, for, for the view, for the listeners, this is like a Schecter classic. Like it's one of those carved top strap body kind of things. It's got a pointy headstock too. A pointy headstock. I would not want to get jabbed in the face with that headstock. Like it's not the pointiest headstock in the world. It's like, not like a Jackson, but it's got a point on the end of that God, thing. This, man. Um, I think, I don't know, the whole time I was thinking like maybe some kind of, uh, well, my first thought is, is I'm a, um, definitely, I think a velocity over, um, bulk. Yeah. So you go for like the Roman sword sort of route versus like the big sword. Exactly. Exactly. So with that, I'm thinking Steinberger. You know what? I have Steinberger that, spirit. Here, here's like here's the two points that I had in mind. The same exact thing you said, like being able to like get it up to velocity quick, move yeah. it around quickly, agility. You want high agility score with your weapon. Yeah. Uh, the next is length. So I was thinking like Steinberger base, no. get it extra long. I think the reason like he like like the fully like 100 percent the reason he succeeded over this guy is because that guy had his arm and he had an, a, a uh, an exacto knife basically he had right. he had a box cutter right yeah that's not an exacto knife that's a box cutter well, it's got exacto blades in it but a box cutter you know what i mean it's an it's yeah. a box cutter it's a safety cutter 
It's got a razor blade in it. Box cutters were responsible for the largest terrorist attack on American soil in history. (laughs) Okay, geez. (laughs) But anyways, way to bum everyone out. Uh, All he's got is his arm with the razor on the end of it. You want as much length as you can get to keep your attacker, to keep your assailant as far away from you as possible so you can do quick pokes Mm -hmm. and be able to, like, quickly maneuver. And I think that's why he, like... uh, he triumphed over this guy because he was he had so much length with the guitar and was able to just like keep poking at him, keep hitting at him, and the guy could never get close enough to take a swipe at him. Yeah, this is a slightly longer scale instrument, twenty six and a half inches. That's plenty. That's plenty of length. But man, imagine getting hit in the head. I know with one of those things. How did that person survive? Like I just imagine like maybe they were they must have just skulls been like with that glancing thing. blows. Oh man. But even like with a, you know, like a headless, nearly bodiless Steinbrenner sort of thing, like I would not want to get hit in the head with that. I think it's also like the guitar most likely to survive the altercation too. There's no headstock to break. Yeah. There's like very few like moving parts to get destroyed. But like the flip side of it is if you used like a, if you use like an SG, like because you still want to stay lightweight, if the headstock breaks, you just spin it around and now you've got a jabbing weapon you instead of a striking off, weapon. You break off the headstock. The the person you're fighting is like, whoa, this guy's crazy. So there's an <laughs> intimidation factor because you just grab the headstock of your guitar and snapped it off like with no effort okay. at all. And then you grab the headstock and you start swinging the guitar by the strings and you start hitting this guy like with this swinging weapon. Why do you have a black Les Paul ride? Oh, that's from Gun Street Wiring Shop. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's for a demo I'm going to do. <laughs> it's like, what? What is this? What is this madness? I forgot about it. It's got Jimmy Page wiring in it. Ah, so okay. it's got like a push-pull on every um, single pot. So my thought, too, is if you have, if your headstock breaks off, right? Uh-huh. Yo, it's your, oh, here's your SG. Here's your SG. I have to talk loud because I'm off the mic. It'll be fine, Steve. You don't have to yell. All right, so your headstock breaks off. It's now dangling from the strings. You're still holding it from this end, right? Right. It's dangling from the strings. Now you swing it around your head like a mace, and you've got. But that's this- what I was saying. Like, but I would be. I would hold it. I would hold the headstock that had broken off, and now you have all the length of the string going down to the stop tail. Oh, the stop tail would pop off, so this won't work. Oh. Ah, damn it! Our plans are foiled. But that could be the, head, the headstock breaks off. Okay. You've got you grab onto the stop tail. You're swinging the headstock around. You've got a swinging weapon. You can like wrap it around their feet like yeah. a gra- gladiator. Yeah. And then and use got, the body and the neck. Yeah. Once you've tied them up. So you've got like a swinging weapon and you've got like a stabbing hitting weapon. It become an SG becomes two weapons. Two weapons. And then you get to fix that headstock break so it'll never break there again. This guitar is not in tune. No, it's not. All right, should we tackle the last ad and then get out? Get the heck out of here. <laughs> so this won't be the longest episode in the history of ever. Yeah, to get to it. Have you ever watched this the, one? This have next, you ever listened to the Joe Rogan experience? This next ad is a hoot. Uh, this is uh, this who was, sent it to us. This Steve. was sent by Ken Michael. It's a Getty Lee style bass guitar neck. Only, only, but. Come on, we're not talking about the neck here. Yeah. We're talking about the body that's in, the, in these pictures. Yeah. Like this person just wants to sell the neck, but it's like the 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 pictures include the body that it's currently attached to. <laughs> yeah. To prove that this base neck can be attached to a body. It actually is attached to the body. Well, no, it's attached to the wing. It's attached to the wing. 
there's there's legs and a head involved as well. This guitar, this bass guitar looks like an owl. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like a really bad carving of an owl. It's kind of like the 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 badness of it is kind of endearing to me. I I feel like this is the sort of thing my dad would carve. That's what I mean. Like, because like he would find like a piece of like random wood and be like, Oh, this big, like knot from a branch in the middle of this kind of looks like an owl's face. And then he would carve out like the owl's face and be like, Oh, this, this side kind of looks like a wing. And this side kind of looks like a wing. I'm going to, I'm going to like dedicate some time into making this look like an owl. It looks like the kind of thing that you would find that would have been carved like in like the seventies or whatever that you would find. It was carved in the seventies. But you find it in like a small town general store in the 90s on family vacation. And you're like, oh, man, I definitely want to remember my trip to this small town by by this big wooden owl. I'm definitely going to buy this big wooden owl. You and I have very different vacations. (laughs) But, okay, there's two different scenarios here. One is a dad did it because it's totally got a dad sort of thing. Uh Two... Uh, it's like a high school woodshop project and like the kid is just like, yeah, I, I'd made a base body and I got my grade and like, I don't, yeah. I don't really care. Uh, what do you think about the picnic pickup placement in this thing? Well, the bridge pickup, I think is a little too close to the, to the bridge. bridge. It seems really tight. At least it's not too close to the neck. Right. I mean, it is a bridge think- pickup. <laughs> I know. I know it was bad. I'm sorry, Steve, but yeah, it's like, I think they, the pickup placement otherwise is fine. And I mean, even the bridge probably won't be terrible as long as you keep it blended. I guess there's no controls, so it's all pickups all the time, right? Yeah, there's no controls on this. There's a lot of wire in the control cavity for not having any controls in this, too. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with these wires. I need to look at a jazz It looks like base. there's some electric... Uh, it looks like there's just electrical tape wrapping everything together. Well, that's not a surprise, Steve. Come on. I mean, I'm barely beyond the level of using electrical tape in my builds, so it's like... Oh, man. You know, maybe the, uh, maybe the bridge pickup... No, it's pretty close. It's at least, like, two inches too close yeah. to the bridge. Yeah. And the reason it's too close is because they didn't want to, like, interrupt the owl's face with the pickups. Yeah. Like, that's the, the entire reasoning for I the think, pickup placement. I think the... Uh, the, the neck pickup the set the it's probably not that bad it's pretty close but that bridge pickup should probably be about where just i would say just to the left of the eye yeah yeah exactly well obviously you don't want to put the pickup in the middle of the owl's face you don't want to cover up that sweet sweet owl face you gotta keep that owl face (laughs) um what do you think about the thing that's actually being sold here the Getty neck. Lee style base neck for well, the 125. problem is that it's a Getty Lee style yeah. base neck. It's not a Getty Lee base neck. Um, so could have come from anything. It could have come from anything. It could have come from nothing. It's missing a string. For some well, who cares? You're only getting the neck. Yeah. But there's like in this picture, it might just be the angle of the camera, but I feel like the action's super high on this neck. Like you can see like there's a bit of a bow in the neck as you follow the string from the sure, body but up it, to but the neck. I mean, that could be caused by... It could be a camera issue. A whole kind of, you know, anything. Who knows? Um, I mean, you, you would not be surprised at all to find out that this had a bowed neck, though. No. Right? No, I guess not. Um, I think this might be some kind of old MIJ neck. Obviously, what's Getty Lee about it is that it's a maple neck with block inlays. Right. That's the Getty Lee. Is connection. that the only like feature of a Getty Lee 
neck. Is uh, there anything else about it that makes it that makes a neck Getty Lee? I'm not. A, I don't I know bass. I think stuff. the Getty Lee jazz bass is. Um, I think the neck is actually even slimmer than the standard jazz bass. Okay, but maybe I'm getting that. so it's like a different shape. Yeah, it says it's a thin one piece C shaped maple neck. So I think it actually like I think functionally. So jazz bass necks are already like smaller than P bass necks. Yeah. Now I think the Getty well, Lee that super tiny like nut. Yeah, the Getty with... Lee uh bass uh neck is like even smaller. I could be wrong. Interesting. I've only played the the Getty Lee a couple times. Um I think the Getty Lee tends to be really popular with like guitar players who are kind of wanting to pick up the bass because it's more comfortable. Yeah. Because of the size. Here's um, here's my last question, my final question yeah. for the Steve. You see this at the swap meet. There's no price tag on it. What do you offer? Like, what's your level of commitment to the like the to the whole package, owl body and all? Forty dollars. Forty dollars to buy the owl base. Yeah. Would you do it? Like, if you saw this for forty bucks, would would you get it, or would you be able to resist? I think I would get this for forty dollars. You would get this for forty dollars? Yeah, man. I think I would just take a picture and walk away. I'd be like, I don't need this in my life. I think I would. I mean, if the neck, everything on the neck looked good, I'd, I think I would like. Just get it to pluck the Yeah, neck. I guess if I I would probably pick this up at the swap meet and look at it and be like and evaluate whether I, or not the I neck got a is question. Good. Will it church? Oh, I'd church that. <laughs> uh all right, you want to tell us you know all the details that we need yeah, to know this before song you get out of here? was sent to us by Greg Sims. He says, Hi Ryan and Steve, here's a song I'm submitting. Hi, Greg. Uh, to close one of your episodes, it's called No Demands, and it's the first single off the Bitter Roots EP derailer that drops digitally on March 15th. So it's on Spotify, iTunes. You guys can get that music. I recorded the rhythm track with my Reverend Warhawk RT with the Filtertrons replaced with GFS Fat Mini Al Nickel 5 Mini Buckers through an exotic EP booster and an AC booster into a Supro 1624T dual tone with the speaker upgraded to a Weber DT12. Then I layered the rhythm up with a Cabernita Special, uh, a Special, Especially through the same amp with only a J Rocket Archer. The lead was recorded through an original 2550 Les Paul uh, through an EP booster, a Blackout Effectors, uh, two some fuzz, a 1983 Proco Rat, and a plain old GCB 95 Crybaby into a Crank Music Man HD 130 through two vintage 30s. Hope you enjoy. Again, this song is called uh, No Demands and it's by uh, The Bitter Roots. Uh, links below. Hope you enjoy it. Bye, everybody. Stay grounded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Catchphrase. <laughs>